This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In by Kulisevsky. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Buenos dias, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's wearing a bisht out of pure choice, it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me. No sports washing for you. <laughs> just just, just your ev- everyday, just your everyday <laughs> casual wear. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, boys, I've just been listening back to... An episode from a year ago, over a year ago, in fact, because one of our listeners and one of our ex-ups indeed, Steve Faruja, said, will you schedule a Christmas 2022 special to compare the predictions about who is in the team with the reality? And so that involved revisiting the episode Bardi Back on His Hobby Horse from uh, November 2021, in which uh, we had a question which basically said, here's the team now. How is it going to look in a year's time? Uh, And the answer is... Not that different. Not that different. Hmm. Uh, so the the game we just played saw this team. Uh, Lloris, Royale, Romero, Dyer, Davis, Regulon, Skip and Hoybier in midfield, Lucas, Son and Kane. Um, and we were asked, you know, who we thought would would not be in Conte's preferred eleven. And Bardi, Bardi took the axe to uh, Hoybier, obviously, and Lucas. <laughs> uh, he said that Royale, Romero, Dyer, Kane, Son, and possibly Regulon, and maybe Skip would be in the starting eleven in a year's time. I said I don't think Hoybier and Skip will both be in the team, will be one or the other, and that Davis, Lucas, and Regulon will be gone. And Nathan um, sort of said, do you think maybe Sessignon might be a threat to Regulon? Hmm. And he thought maybe Skip and Hoybier would be out Uh, of the team. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was was pretty close. I was pretty close to being right. You, you, I mean, you said Lucas would be gone. You were, you were absolutely right. Uh, You did think that Regulon and Skip had a chance of still being in the team. I would say at this point that Skip is very much sort of out in the cold. 
Mm, I do think that injury hit Skip quite hard. Yes, and agreed. Just as he was um, starting to show something and, and be in the team and, and start regularly, he got injured. And then mm. also we went out that um, that winter and signed an incredible central midfielder to take that place. So I do think his um, his involvement has been curtailed by that. Indeed, indeed. And um, what would be interesting is to say from now, assuming Conte is still in charge and there'll be another two transfer windows how many further changes do we foresee in the 11 from from now i mean i think royale cannot possibly still be in that team in a year from now <laughs> surely um i think it's possible no I think it's possible i'm looking at i'm looking at what's going on in the market and i'm oh, saying God. i'm saying we might be seeing more Owens and royale Ugh. i mean surely by that point jed spence would have impressed in enough i don't know under 21 matches to, mm. to have taken royale's place I mean, this um, this game that Steve is commenting on, it was the home match against Leeds on the um, on the mid twenty, what was it, twenty second or twenty first of of November, mm. and it was a game where the brilliant Dan James scored, <laughs> and then um, mm. I think Hjoiberg probably scored a deflected goal, but that might be doing an injustice. And Reggion scored from a, a, a rebound off a free kick, I think. And it's quite amazing that we both commented before we start recording that the team has a kind of progressed from then on. Harry Winks did start in central midfield that day and Lucas started alongside Sun and Kane and Tanganga played alongside Dyer and Ben Davies. So they really, it's been quite surprising how little change there has been considering Conte is often thought about a manager that does like wholesale changes. There's not been a great deal of, of rotation at Spurs. So I think perhaps in a year's time, we might still see something quite similar. Sun, Kane, probably Dyer will be there. Hjoiberg will be there. And I'd definitely Emerson Royale. I'm going to say that in another year, Lloris, Royale and Dyer will have gone. And maybe Perisic. Maybe Perisic. I think two of those. Mm-hmm. Which two? Any any two of those. <laughs> um, you're just making it easy for yourself okay. now. Royale and one other then. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll allow that. <laughs> I still think Lloris will, will be there next year. He had a, he's had a decent World Cup. He's looked surprisingly steady, but perhaps that's because the French team in front of him are better defenders than, than, than ours. But I, I still think, even though I would like him replaced, I still don't think it's an emergency situation. He definitely, um, definitely compares poorly to Martinez in, in a penalty shootout, as most mm, keepers yeah. do. But like, especially, they're definitely opposite end of the spectrum in terms of their... Um, their... Oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Sort of personality, you know, their their impact, mm. their outgoingness in a in a penalty shootout. I wonder if um in five years' time it will be the default. It will be expected of a keeper to behave as Emmy Martinez does in a penalty shootout. And a keeper who fails to get themselves yellow carded um has has done a poor job in, in a shootout. I yeah, I think so. But then if you look at someone like Donnarumma, he doesn't do that kind of stuff. And he but he's <laughs> he's far just more really good at saving penalties, yeah. <laughs> and he's also huge. Yeah. I do think Larice has a problem in this in in terms of like physically he's quite slight and personality wise he's quite slight, which is probably a reason why he's not very good at penalties. And even though he's made a couple of saves in his career at Spurs, the majority of times he, he doesn't get anywhere near them. I, I do think that's an issue. I'm not a huge fan. I'm I like South American football and I do enjoy some shit housing. 
but I'm not a huge fan of um, Martinez's antics. I think the throwing away of the ball, I don't mind them, you know, making faces or being big or waving their arms around. I do think fr- the throwing away of the football is is a step too far. Mm. He is a shithouse. That is the correct <laughs> word. The referee needs to be stronger in that situation. The referee, I think, let the French team down. Mm. Interesting. Even though overall I'm happy that Argentina won, I do think the French team, the, the referee, allowed that situation to get out of control. And by the time he booked him, they, France had already missed two penalties. So, so you guys have already said segued nicely into a conversation about the World Cup final, um, a final which many people have said is the greatest football game of all time. I mean, I, I can't possibly think that that is the case. I certainly don't think it's the best football game I've ever seen. But I, I assume the place that has come from is uh, the knowledge that finals typically are quite cagey affairs. They're often nil-nil, one-nil, maybe two-nil, um, with not a great deal happening. Whereas this was, it was end-to-end... To an extent, it was exciting. There was lots going on. There was a fair bit of controversy. There were some really good individual performances. There were some good good moments of, of team play. Um, best game ever, though, Bardi? Um, I think what you need to weigh up here is what was at stake. And fair enough, there might have been some incredible games in the Premier League or whatever, the Champions League semi-final. But there was, I don't think there was the jeopardy that was at stake here. You had, you know, the, the narrative around Messi and Mbappe, it was something incredible. And you do have a the greatest player of all time. And I, I never thought I'd say that about Messi. And I've, I've stepped away from Maradona and now I'm, I'm on Messi. I think Messi's the greatest player that's ever existed. And I'm, I'm a After huge this Maradona. tournament, you think that, yeah. that's the turning point for you? Interesting. I think for me. Wow. I'm a huge Maradona stan. I think Maradona, what he what he did in his short career, because it was everything else that happened around him, what he did with Napoli and Argentina was, I don't think it will ever be repeated, but I just think Messi's ability to do this over, I don't know, how many years has this been now? Was it five World Cups, 15 years, being <laughs> able to, to, to churn this out is, is quite incredible. And the way he's had to change according to how his body's changed is reminiscent of how Ronaldo did, the, the proper Ronaldo did as well, from being this bombastic forward that would just run past everybody to this uh, a pure predatory number nine. I think the Messi journey has been quite a quite incredible and the way the the team and the country just swept up behind him it's it's a it's a brilliant brilliant story that will be that will be told for generations and generations so yeah i I do think this final had um has changed my opinion on it but the greatest game of all time uh i think it's i think it's up there i think i've always been a huge fan of international football and i think this world cup perhaps talking about what's happened on the pitch i think it's been a turning point for a lot of people and they've realized that international football is good and the best thing about it is Deschamps and Southgate are in the mud. That pragmatism doesn't win you trophies anymore. The last two big international trophies have gone to two teams that have played front foot football. And um, hopefully this this pattern will continue. Nathan, any thoughts? Uh, Not the greatest game of football of all time. Um, Maybe the greatest World Cup final. Yeah. uh, At least in a long while. Don't mind that. Um, Some really good goals. Obviously great back and forth drama. Not incredible football. <laughs> Not much incredible football. Like, like uh, again, yeah, there's a couple of really good goals, like Argentina's breakaways, um, Mbappe's low volley, mm, like a really wonderful a finish. Like not not great football throughout. Some pretty turgid football in the middle that you know is easily forgotten about. Um, so there's definitely been better football games for sure. Uh, club football will always have higher peaks in terms of actual football yeah. and international football ever will. Um, it definitely, it definitely is a really dark joke that Qatar have had such a brilliant tournament. 
I think it's. <clears throat> I was against the winter timing, but it's it's worked. It's helped a lot of players have arrived Maybe, in yeah. Qatar fine, or they've kind of coasted the first thirteen games of the season. And Messi's not going into this trophy into this tournament after sixty games. Mm. Um, yeah, the, I think that's definitely helped. Definitely looked like a higher level of intensity at this World Cup than than previous ones, perhaps. And um, the fact that the games went late. Normally, when you get to extra time, the the game peters out and nothing really happens. Yeah. And you had two kind of chances to win it. And Lautaro Martinez has had quite incredible World Cup. That he's gone into this tournament, perhaps 80, 90 million pound forward. And now um, I'd rather sign Vincent Janssen. He's had such a bad tournament. Yeah, he played a crucial role in the third goal for Argentina, buddy. Well, he missed. <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> he did miss a high XG chance. And uh, it needed Messi to tap it in. But um, let's not ignore that header as well. Yeah, just uh, completely got his angles all wrong with that header. And but yeah. The, the beautiful thing about this is France, you know, France, if you look at like, Premier, if you compare France to a Premier League team, you'd probably say France is perhaps Man City in terms of kind of level of players that they could do, squad depth, everything else. But then they're going into this, this tournament and they're playing Kunde at right back. And it's just, I think that's what I've always said, the beauty of international football is you just can't fix issues that are systemic through your, through your team. If you don't have a striker, you have to figure it out and work around it. If you don't have a right back, you're going to have to kind of balance that again, balance that. And I think that's the reason why in, in the final, perhaps there was issues in midfield and perhaps if you're going to be technical, it wasn't the greatest game of football because there were serious faults in how the teams progressed the ball. But I just think in terms of what was at stake, in terms of um, six goals, back and forwards, France dead, then they're back, then they nearly win it. I think you can't, if you're going to script a, a World Cup final, then give it to Hollywood to make it. They, that's what they would have done. That's the game they would have created. <laughs> France have uh, Michieli, they have Klaus. Um, they've they've got they've got options at right back. It's just Pavard. that Deschamps is a sicko who likes to play either Pavard or Koundé, who for me are closer in profile to centre backs. I mean, yeah. Koundé mm. plays almost exclusively centre back at club level when Pavard should, in my opinion. Um, that's that's just Deschamps being being a disgusting <laughs> football yeah. criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is an absolute <laughs> terrorist, and the way he was going after Chiram, the way he was going after mm. a couple of other players, it's just like. They, this team has pulled you back into this and you're just going after them. He's um, he's a scumbag. I'm glad. I hope he I hope he stays in a job because France should be smashing everybody. And that's two tournaments in a row is not one. So, so I hope he stays there. But I, I don't like him. So there, there are a couple of interesting things to follow now. How do, how do the um, national leagues look post-World Cup? Do we just have shattered yeah. players? Are we going to be playing at World Cup tempo in the in the domestic summer? Exactly, exactly. Are we going to be playing World Cup tempo for a few weeks now and then towards the end of the season? What what impact will that have? And also, you'll get the inevitable uh, post World Cup transfers, but this time they'll be happening in January rather than the summer. So that could provide some interest. And we have been linked with a couple of players who've. Uh, have notable tournaments for one reason or another. Uh, so Kola Muani, um notable in the final, he was certainly. I mean, and 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 in the semis as well. I think he's um he's, he's an impact a, player. A hell of a lot of criticism for you know not scoring one chance or not scoring it to Mbappe like he has. Mm. 
bird's eye mm. view of the pitch. Um, but I think he had a good tournament. Yeah, I would say he had a good tournament, but but not a player I'd like us to sign. Yeah, okay. So in terms of signing of his bird, so we were linked with him and uh, Kamada at the same time, both mm-hmm. Frankfurt players, um, a couple of weeks back and forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, this guy playing in the final, we got linked to him. He is a very strange profile. He He's a number nine. He's really good at carrying the ball. Where does that fit in... <laughs> in both the Conte system and in our current squad that has Kane and Son and Richarlison. It doesn't at all. No. Me. no. And then Kamada um, sort of spent most of his career as like a, a goal-scoring number 10. A bit of graft to his game, um, some creativity, some dribbling ability, but is a, is a guy who gets in the box well, arrives in the box well. Mm-hmm. And then this last season or so, um, been playing deeper, been playing more like a number eight and uh, and mixing up. Mm-hmm. Where does that fit in a Conte system or, again, our team? Maybe he's not the worst backup to Kulisevsky in the world, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. way off being the best, you know. Um, so both both a pair of confusing links. He like would he, he, he would, to me, um, strike me very much as a sort of... Um, opportunistic signing so he's on a free transfer at the end of the season we can sign a pre-contract agreement in january uh cheap punt essentially right uh but then what do you do with him yeah i that's the thing and and i don't think there's necessarily someone that conte would have identified i think maybe he's someone that the club have identified we, we do tend to like players who play against us in the champions league don't we um that that's our scouting it seems sometimes did they score I, against us in the in the Champions League? Yes, add them to the list. Did he? Did he score against us? I'm I don't, pretty sure he did. No, I I like him. I think he could play as a free. I I've been when he played against West Ham in the Europa League. I thought he was a bit more further forward, but then against us, he played a lot deeper. And I like him. I think he moves quite nicely. I said it again. I, I, I do I do like the way he moves. I think there's a there's a there's a silkiness and guile yeah, to him. I think I he could play alongside another two central midfielders and be that kind of more creative one that would allow us to play five three two. I I think if he's available for cheap. Get him. I like him. Colin Moani, I'm not so sold on. Mm. But then, of course, had he scored that last minute yeah. chance, I'd be like, sign him, whatever whatever it costs. But I do find him, like you two, a bit strange. I'm not sure where he plays or what, how he could fit into our team. But I like Canada. I think um, I think he'd be good. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely but, the one of the two that I would prefer if we were targeting either of them. Yeah. And on the transfers thing, I think what we need to be concerned about, what we're concerned about or just, you know, be a little bit worried about is post-World Cup Blues. Um, or post-World Cup, like, yeah. Blues, I guess Romero's won it. What's his attitude going to be when he come back? Because <laughs> as someone who's obviously many times support Italy, what happens with Italian players, essentially, is they win something, and then for the next year, they, they don't think about anything else. That's it. They're done. They've completed it. There's nothing more to do. In. And what happens is you end up losing to North Macedonia and drawing with Switzerland <laughs> and drawing with Bulgaria, and you don't go to a World Cup. And I'm just concerned that this this achievement that Romero's done just might take him a long time to get over and get um, get focused again. So that that's a concern. And then what happens to Lloris? Because I do think Lloris now is probably going to retire from international football. And just what's what's his plan for, for the rest of his career? I'm not too worried about Romero, you know. I think he's such a sort of intense, feisty competitor that I think it's going to be quite difficult to... 
uh, lose that from him. And I know some people thought that he was coasting pre-World Cup to save himself. I don't personally agree with that. Conte certainly didn't agree with that. Um, the only concern for me with him is his fitness. Just maintaining, get, getting him on the pitch every week is a, a challenge, it seems. He picks up lots of niggling injuries, which is a damn shame because he's a wonderful player. He was incredible against France. His mm. um, And his ability to know when the referee is going to whistle so he yeah. can get a free hit on someone is it's unparalleled in football. I've never seen anyone just be able to whack people for free as much as he did. He didn't even get booked and he nearly broke Mbappe's foot. He's incredible. He is a brutal, brutal defender in the best possible way. Mm. We are once again partnered with Athletic Green. So over to Bardi. So I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me. But the health of my friends and families equally important it's the festive season windy and as you're my best friend i know you love eating and merrymaking <laughs> that is true um and i do love pigs in blankets same here my friend but do you know what isn't a gift and is something that you should look after your gut health bingo this christmas think about your gut health and how you can ease into 2023 with better health in the region that may take a lot of punishment in the next few days ag1 aids in digestion bolsters your immune health and helps with the recovery from exercise and increased energy production. Something we'll all need after the return of Spurs on the 26th. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, so AG is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. And Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So what have we been up to over on the Patreon? Nathan, I noticed, uh, I've not had a chance to watch yet, but I noticed you've been making videos about my my right-back fantasy. <laughs> okay, all right. I... um. I'm very interested because I did um I did the concerns and I did the positives. So I'm really interested in how people feel 
having watched the video in full because there's a lot of hype about Poro at the moment. Um, so I don't want to talk about this too much. I think come back when you've watched this video mm. and tell me how you feel. Mm, nice. Because I'm not sure either. <laughs> well, oh, re- you're not mm. sure? Okay. Mm, no, I don't know. I don't know. We'll save it. We'll save it. Are you are you not sure in the in the sense that you don't think he's good or you're not sure in the sense that you think we already have better at the club? Oh, um, he has a really high upside. Um, probably a higher upside than Spence. He also has a significant downside. <laughs> he has significant concerns in this game. Um, I mentioned at the end of the video, I say, look, um, there are these aspects to his game in his decision-making primarily where there's a possibility that he'll always have bad decision-making and therefore he's not a good transfer for us. Certainly not a good transfer to Conte. But there's also this not great middle ground. And this is what I kind of mentioned earlier. There's this not great middle ground where... He will become a good decision maker. He will learn the patterns, but not anytime soon. And that is a situation in which Emerson Royale plays out the rest of the season. <laughs> if you want a player to come in and replace Emerson Royale, they've got to be someone who's going to hit the ground running. And I, I'm, I, I doubt Poro is that player. Mm, interesting, interesting, interesting. So he's twenty three, um... mm-hmm. but experienced. He's got like four, five seasons under his belt yes yes which i think puts him in conte's eyes at least ahead of jed spence sure well he's you know he's played la liga and and portuguese league professional senior mm-hmm. football mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and champions league football yeah against us uh yeah i'm trying to i uh, god I mean, I guess it's because I just, I'm so done with Emerson Real. Yes. You know, I I feel so bad for him, but I'm so, so done with him being in the team that, you know, seeing a a right wing back of the obvious technical quality of Pedro Porro makes you just pine for someone who's that good. Yes, but the downside is if you pine too hard, you end up, like I said, stuck (laughs) still playing Emerson Real. I think we have to be careful about this because we keep getting it wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, elsewhere on Patreon, Bardi's been, um, or Bardi needs to apologise, I understand. Well, somebody slid into my DMs and said I need to apologise because I got the squad number wrong on one of the one of our players, Ili Dumitrescu. It was listed on this website as he had the squad number 19, which I, I didn't question because it was on the internet and I believe everything that's on the internet. But apparently he wore number eight, so I've been asked to apologise. But I didn't get it wrong. The website got it wrong. So there you go. But anyway, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> At Have the Extra Inch meetup, sorry, Wendy. At the Extra Inch meetup, there was like a 20-minute discussion about what shirt number Lewis Holtby originally had mm. at Spurs. Yes, and I got it straight away. I'm, my memory, my memory is awful. Did you look it up? Did you check? I uh, so so my girlfriend looked it up while we were there, and uh, I was correct. Said. Yeah, yeah. She quickly edited Wikipedia just to prove. <laughs> what was it then? Just, she was had my back. Twenty three. It was twenty three. I thought so. I thought so. I wasn't as confident as you were. Yeah, I did drop the the knowledge that Eric Lamella made his debut with for Tottenham. Where in what number? Thirty four. It was 33 because at the time we still had Bale and Bale had the number 11 shirt. So he wanted a multiple of 11. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I remember that now. Mm, yeah. We all thought it's because he was going to be three times as good as Gareth Bale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Eric. I still loved the guy. I still loved him. Um, Did he, um, he must have celebrated. I mean, I don't think he got in the changing room like the Celso did and <laughs> held, held the World Cup. Have you ever seen anything quite like it? Argentina just got... If you played for Argentina, you, you could come and come on the pitch and pick up the trophy as well. They were wheeling out everybody. <laughs> 
That seems a little harsh. That well, seems I'm, a little harsh. Wendy, say you say something happened to the England team and you got in the England team and then just before the World Cup, you got injured and you missed the World Cup. Do you want England to win the World Cup without you? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Maybe we're different. different. Do you, you don't <laughs> want your team to succeed without you? No, not really. I remember, yeah, I remember I was once made substitute for a cup final and I had to run the line and I um, <laughs> didn't flag for a very clear offside when they were going for a goal. Just, <laughs> just out of spite. Win. Out of spite, yeah. So if I, yeah. Was, if I was in the national team and I got injured just before the tournament, you don't want to be that guy. Do you think Jimmy Greaves was happy not winning the World Cup? Well, England winning the World Cup when he was injured. I don't think he ever was. And that, that's why that's why he's proper, proper coys. You're such a competitive man. It's incredible. Nathan, would you would you want the team to win without you? Uh yes, yes. I uh Lamella has uh, done an Instagram post describing um Emmy Martinez as, as an animal. <laughs> it, it's a it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Mm. It's like if, um, say, we won a Sony podcast award and it was for the one episode I wasn't on, yeah. then um, <laughs> I'd be angry. We'd win it for the Nima episode, let's be honest. Uh, so, what have we got else going on in the world of Spurs? Uh, Nathan, you have been somewhat vindicated because Alistair Gold says that Spurs are looking at both sixes and tens for creativity, a, a suggestion that you've, yeah. you've you've run with in the videos I, you've been producing. I had given up. I had just about given up on that being any kind of possibility for Spurs. Um, they were exclusively looking at, at, at number tens. But um, yeah, Gold, Gold said basically that, that, that creativity in some form, whether that be like a direct backup or or someone who plays deeper, um, which comes around at the same time as as links to Sofyan Amrabat are persisting. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm very reluctant to say that he is a more creative midfielder than any of our existing midfield options. I think he is. I um I watched a bunch of him last night, and uh, what I did is so I I watched a couple of matches, and then I watched specifically him under pressure, and then I went to compare, and I looked at Hoiberg under pressure, and He's a little better than Hoiberg under pressure, but I was really just surprised, really positively surprised at the outcome of Hoiberg under pressure. And it's like, it's really aesthetically unappealing, <laughs> but it works. It looks like he's lost control, but he hasn't. And some of the passes are a little, a little overhit from Hoiberg under pressure, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, I feel... Like it's something I've been saying. Oh, we we you know let's let's get a register in the team. Let's improve our build-up play. And then the moment we're actually looking at one, I'm like, how does this work? Who we would have to realistically, we would have to sell Hoybjerg. There would have to be a good market for Hoybjerg because otherwise, it's like you bring him in. And what are you going to do with Basuma? What are you going to do with Saar? What are you going to do with Skip? Mm. It doesn't. I I think I think the Basuma transfer is going to possibly look really weird sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely say... Um, would I? I was going to say Amrabat is most similar to Basuma in our squad. Yeah, they've both um, they've both done this thing where they've been these sort of box-to-box number eights who are really proactive ball winners and also yeah. really good dribblers, yeah? yeah? And they've both, over the last year or so, been moved into a number six role where their strength is they use their dribbling to resist pressure, Um and and sort of you know develop into this kind of register role, this deep lying playmaker. Difference is that Amrabat has really improved his 
passing game, his adventurous passing game, his long passing game uh, from that role. And he uses his dribbling to set up progressive passes, whereas Basuma uses his dribbling to be able to take it from one centre-back to another centre-back for, mm. for the most part, which is, mm. don't get me wrong, that's still like a useful um, and impressive skill at the elite level. Um, it just, just doesn't do that much for us, I don't think, mm. compared to just playing Hojbjerg and or Bentoncourt in a, in a double pivot. Yeah, and you'd have to imagine that post-World Cup, his value will have soared. Oh, yeah. So he's now linked to Liverpool and Barcelona at like 40 million plus, And that's just not, you know, doesn't make any sense. There was a bargain to be had last summer, as it turned out, which we were dismissive of at the time. Yes. But uh, I'm not sure that is now the case. In the summer, it was on the back of him playing the number six role for about six games, yeah. half of which were off the bench. And he looked good in them. But it was like, this is not a sample to work with. And lo and mm. behold, the, the, that small sample reflected the player that he's, <laughs> he now looks to be. But it's really hard to make a call on that. Conte mm. apparently wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so on other transfer news, Alistair also said that there are concerns within the club about Pedro Porro's physicality, which... I do find somewhat baffling. Pedro Porro is not tall, and and we know Conte likes tall players, but he he's ripped. He's a strong, muscular, which right means back. It just means height. It just means yeah. height. Uh, I did touch on that a little bit in the video, um, both statistically and and on video. Um, so I won't say too much, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Or okay. I'm more surprised that it's got this far. <laughs> if those concerns sure. exist, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then Alistair also, I think this is from Alistair Cold, uh, has dropped some news on injured players and when they might be due back. So Richarlison is going to be out for five or six weeks. Now, I don't know if that's five or six weeks since we first heard about the injury or five or six weeks from now, but uh, he has a hamstring injury, uh, which he picked up in the warm-up for Brazil and then played with, annoyingly. Ben Davis is is back in training and, and should be fine. Ben Tancor is also due to be back for the new year, so he'll miss the Boxing Day game and then hopefully he'll be back for the Villa game. Lucas is still not training. Oh, what a damn shame. Emerson is is okay. <laughs> Emerson, uh, wait, wait. It's written Emerson is back to normal. It just, <laughs> just concerns me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sessegnon is training independently, which I guess means he's building up his fitness at this stage and, and confidence in his injury. Uh, Son is back in full training, still wearing a face mask. And Hoybier and Saar are also back. So, team selection for the Brentford game on Boxing Day, what are we thinking? Are we thinking, you know, the players come straight back in all the time, meaning Kane and Romero are in the team? Or do we think there'll be some reluctance to rush players back? Surely Kane has to play. Oh, well, he th- demands to play every minute that he possibly yeah. can, right? So that's a given, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Kane plays. Um, I think the question mark is Lloris, whether Lloris plays. I don't think Romero will play. Uh, I think everybody else will play. I, th- I just think it's question mark Lloris and Romero. Obviously, if, you, if the players are injured, they won't be there. But yeah, I think those will be the, the only two not playing. And it will probably do um, Joybier and uh, Basuma in the middle. Mm. And maybe a Davis, Longley, Dyer backline. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Even though, who was it, Nathan said uh, Davinson's been doing all right against um, Motherwell and uh, those guys. But that's, it's, this is how he performs, presumably in training um, and in friendlies. And, and then, except for one mistake, he actually made it in the Motherwell game. But then in, in actual football games, he's 
he's nervous or whatever. He just mm. it's just a different player. Mm. We do have one more friendly to go. Of course, it'd be interesting to see which of the World Cup players uh, are back in the team for the friendly on the twenty first against Nice. Um, that might tell us a little, I guess, about who plays on Boxing Day. I, I presume they'll only want the players to play a maximum of an hour if they're planning to play five days later. Uh, I, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Was it Nice, the, the the game we didn't play in the Conference League? It's almost like this is what could have happened. Oh, was it now? Yeah, I think so. Maybe maybe we did a little deal with him to have a little friendly. The, it's not, the, it's, the um, COVID postponed Yeah, game. I think, I'm pretty sure it was Nice. Mm, you might well be right. Um, so this is going to be the last podcast of the year. Uh, we we did we, we we would normally have one next week on the Monday, but it's Boxing Day, and and we figured actually uh, we all deserve we all deserve a day off, a week off. So there'll be no uh, pod in the immediate aftermath of the Brentford game, which means on the second we'll be discussing both the Brentford and Villa game. So plenty to talk about on that podcast. So it, it might be a long one. Um, we wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners for all of your support in 2022. Thank you for listening, obviously. Thank you for sending in questions, for emailing us. Thank you especially to our ex-subs. We really, really appreciate you. Um, it's kind of mind-blowing to me that, that people pay a monthly fee to, to support the podcast, um, despite the fact that obviously you get Nathan's wonderful videos, so it shouldn't be mind mind-blowing at all. But we do genuinely appreciate it so much each and every one of you it means a lot it means an awful lot that you choose to spend some of your hard-earned money on on supporting this podcast so thank you and wish you all the very best for for christmas and for 2023 you have been listening to the extra inch with me windy my sidekick and best friend barney and our tactics guy nate if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch. Email us at podcast at the extra inch. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the ex-subs, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50-80% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.